Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. So we come to the last component today of the 238 plan. Amen. This life savings plan that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. We've discussed the first week repentance. We discussed last week uh, baptism. And today we will consider the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think it's important to understand this morning that none of these by themselves denote salvation, but all three together do. Not any of these by themselves or just two of them or just two of them denote salvation, but all three of them do. Amen. Acts 2 and verse 37, the Bible says, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember that name, right? The new ownership and redemption, his presence for the remission of sins. And ye shall, everybody say shall, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So this morning, my next little while here, I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost this morning. And I want to talk to each of us today. Amen. Those who have already received the Holy Ghost, that's fantastic. That's tremendous. The Bible, though, often speaks about people being filled with the Holy Ghost that were already filled with the Holy Ghost. That's being refreshed in the Holy Ghost. The Bible speaks about that times of refreshing would come in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We all need that periodically from time to time, a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. But I want to talk to those of you that have repented and been baptized today. If you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, there is a gift, a promise for you. And that is the Holy Ghost this morning. And, I, and listen to me, I, I'm saying this with urgency. I'm not saying this as a scare tactic, but I'm saying this with urgency. In order to have the full plan of salvation, to be rapture ready, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost this morning. Do not leave that aspect of the salvation plan away from your life. You may have repented and been baptized. You may have been in that mode of having been baptized for a while, but never received the Holy Ghost. You need to ask for, obey, obey God's word concerning it, and receive the baptism. Amen. Of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray this morning. I love you. I appreciate you today, God. I'm asking, Lord, that you would help me, Lord Jesus, in this Bible. The Lord, class and lesson this morning. God, let your anointing come down. God, touch every mind and every heart. God, I pray, Lord, you're able to bring, Lord, conviction, Lord Jesus, even in this place that would, God, somehow provoke us, Lord Jesus, to move upon the word of God and be obedient to it. God, ask of you, Lord, receive of you, God, that which you are so willing, Lord Jesus, to give to us, Lord, your spirit, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen of the church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Whenever I talk today and talk about the Holy Ghost, you can call it the Holy Ghost. You can call it the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Not any difference. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament Bible, in the New Testament being uh, written in the Greek, the word 
that they translate ghost and the word that they translate spirit is the exact same word in the Greek. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit, whatever wish you uh, wish to call it. It has been called throughout the Bible. In your Bibles, it's called the birth of the Spirit. It's called the gift of the Spirit. People talk about it as receiving the Spirit, uh, the baptism of the Spirit. None of those things differ from one another. They are all one and the same. Receiving the Holy Ghost this morning, I want you to understand, receiving the Holy Ghost is not, as some may uh, back or endorse, that it is a second or a third blessing separate from your conversion. It's not a second or third. It's not like an extra option on a car. No, 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 no. It's not a second or third blessing uh, for your conversion. It is a part of your conversion. It's a part of your transformation. It's a part of laying aside the old man and putting on the new man, the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's a crucial part of being born again, folks. Uh, it's a crucial part of experiencing the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you understand New Testament Scripture, that the Scripture tells us that the way into the body, that's talking about the body of Christ, the way into the body of Christ is by baptism meaning both water and spirit. If our way into the body is by baptism, one, uh, one, uh, body and spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one, everybody say one, one body. If you note the last phrase there then, and have been all, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Amen. Uh, here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, no doubt it's baptism of water and spirit, but it's more particularly dealing with the baptism of spirit because it's dealing with the works of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and the gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. But here's the thing. In order to be in the body, all right? Christ has one body. He's not a freak. It's not like a head and he has five bodies. Christ has one body. He has one church. He has one bride. And in order to be in that one body of Christ, we must all be baptized into it by one spirit. And that's the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Now, here is the thing we must wrap our minds around. To deny the baptism of the spirit is to deny your placement in the body. Amen. To deny baptism of the spirit is to deny your placement in the one and the only body. It's not like you're going to find a subpar body to be a part of. Uh, there's not such a one. There's only one body. And so Christ with one body, one church, one bride, he has one people. You can label them whatever you want. Church, body, bride, people, nevertheless, there's one spirit that places us in that body. And that's by the baptism of the Holy Ghost or receiving the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, if that makes you feel more comfortable, the Holy Spirit, nevertheless, it is the same. And so repentance and baptism does not achieve this by themselves. You cannot stop at repentance and baptism and to have this achieved or accomplished, amen, in your life. The Bible says in John 3 and verse 3, Jesus is speaking to a religious ruler of that day by the name of Nicodemus who had come to him asking him some questions about the kingdom of God. And this is Jesus' response. This isn't Matthew. This isn't Andrew. This isn't a disciple. This is Jesus' response, folks. Amen. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus' mind going along the natural birth. He says, say, he saith unto him in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's 
womb and be born. Jesus clears this up. That's, I'm not talking about a natural birth. In verse number five, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born. He explains what born again is. Born of water. That's baptism, immersion in the name of Jesus Christ and of the Spirit. Baptism of Spirit is us receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He says, except that happens for a man, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. And so it doesn't stop at water baptism. It doesn't stop at repentance. It goes all the way, amen, to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And some may even ask, have you accepted Christ into your heart? But here's the question that I ask. Are you a born-again Christian? Amen. Because Christ said, i got to be born again. Are you a born-again Christian? And to be a born-again Christian, that's born of water and born of spirit. That's baptized in Jesus' name, and that's receiving the Holy Ghost with the utterance of tongues. Amen. We'll talk a little bit more more about that later. Repentance, though, when we see baptism of water and baptism of spirit, repentance is even implied here in that verse because if we are buried, as Scripture says in Romans 8, or 6, rather, if we are buried with Christ in baptism, okay, if there's a burial, there had to be a death. There's a barrel, there had to be a death. And if there's a baptism, there had to be repentance. Amen. And so if they're baptized in water and spirit, that implies to us there must have been a death. There must have had been repentance that would take place. And so the Bible, when you read through the scriptures, again, none of these things differ from one another. But the Bible, when it talks about baptism, might talk about baptism with the Holy Ghost. Uh, The terminology may be baptism by the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Ghost or baptism of the Holy Ghost, once again, all those things are the exact same thing. Amen. It uses terms through God's Word. You see this when you read your Scriptures, particularly in Acts, in the epistles. It uses terms like they were baptized or they were filled with the Holy Ghost or that they received the Holy Ghost. Some things even say that the Holy Ghost fell on them. Amen. Or it came upon them or uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them. That is describing the same experience that I'm trying to tell you about today. And that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, Peter called. No, Peter called this same experience, this Holy Ghost experience. He called it both the gift of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 11 and verse 15, Peter's before the church at Jerusalem. And he is telling them how the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, which was just unheard of for the Jewish people. They thought this was just for their people. Just for their, the Jews. But he began to explain to them how this happened. And here's his story of relaying this to those at the Jerusalem church. He says in verse 15, and as I began to speak, he was preaching to the Gentiles. He said, the Holy Ghost fell on them. See, there's terminology, fell on them. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. In other words, just like it did in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. It fell on us like it did them. How did it fall on them in Acts 2? Well, the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So evidently, there were people that were speaking in tongues when the Gentiles received it, which they did, which you can read of in Acts 10. And he says, then remembered I, verse 16, the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. There he is talking about baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift. 
He's referring again to the Holy Ghost. As he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? In other words, man, I'm not going to say that they got the Holy Ghost just like we got the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues just like we spoke in tongues, which is evidence that they had the Spirit of God. I can't argue with God. Man, they can have it just the same as us Jews can have it. And so the Holy Ghost this morning, it is for you. Consider this. The Bible tells us in New Testament and Old Testament Scripture, God says, I am holy. Be ye therefore holy, for I am holy. God says that. God is holy. Everyone say, he's holy. he's holy. But John 4, 24, when he went to the woman at the well, the Bible says that God is spirit. Everybody say, he's spirit. He's spirit. In Ephesians 4 and 4, we understand that there's one faith, one baptism, one Lord. You go down to verses 4, you read that there is one spirit. So God is holy. God is spirit. There's only one spirit. So the Holy Spirit, which we've just already said was God, is God. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive God in you. And there's only one spirit to receive. You receive God in you. You receive the spirit of God when you receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in first, I got a lot of scripture. The Bible says in first Corinthians 3, 17, if any man defiled the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now it classifies what this temple is. Not talking about a literal building. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. He's talking about individuals. He's talking about his church, one church, his one body. Uh-huh. His one bride, he says, you are the temple of God. Now look, correlate that with 1 Corinthians 6, 19. The Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body, the churches, individuals, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Corinthians 3, he called it the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians 6, he called it the temple of the Holy Ghost. Is he talking about two separate temples? No. You are the temple of God, and God is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God in you. And so Peter also lets us know that this promise, this gift, this thing, the Spirit of God that we're to receive, the Holy Ghost, is for every one of us. He told us in Acts 2, verse 39, that the promise is unto you and to your children, right? And to all that are afar off, even as many the Lord our God shall call. It's for you. Everybody say, it's for me. Say, it's for my children. Tell me it's for people that's far from him. Huh? <laughs> Amen. It tells us that the Holy Ghost is for everyone, not just the first century church, but their offspring. And even for those that were far off, those who were considered afar off was the Gentile. They were estranged from God, far from God, couldn't approach God supposedly. But whenever he said that it's for those that are far off, you can read later in Ephesians 2 when Paul is speaking to the Gentiles. He said, you all were a bunch of sinners. You all were far from God, but God's spirit had come down. You all, he said, were afar off. He said, but you have been not been brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. What he was telling them, God's spirit and his death 
their own resurrection, not only literally, but obeyed upon in their life by repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost has brought them who were far now close, amen, to the spirit and the power of God. It's been extended to every one of us. He said, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you know who God has called? He's called everyone. The Bible says in John 7, 37, Jesus, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he's not talking about literal water. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Note 39, but this spake he of the spirit. What spirit? The spirit of God. Which they that believe on him should, 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 should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What did he say? He said, if any man thirst. That's a broad statement. That's not classifying a certain race or for, for a certain nationality. If any man thirsts. And if that wasn't good enough, he inspired John in Revelations 22 in the closing of our Bibles and verse number 17. He said, the spirit, the spirit of God and the bride, the church, say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is, here it is again, a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. He's saying come. I want to be the church, the bride today that stands up here and agrees with the spirit. There is a call being made. Come, come, those that are thirsty, those that are in need of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, come. Amen. Now the Bible said there in John 7, 39, that the Holy Ghost was not yet given at that point in time because Jesus was not yet glorified. Meaning that his death, burial, and resurrection had not taken place yet, nor his ascension had not taken place yet. Because the Bible states these words in Hebrews 9 and verse 15. And for this cause, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament. Word testament means covenant or agreement. He's a mediator. He's a go-between, if you will, of a new testament. So there must have been an old agreement, an old covenant. He is a mediator of the New Testament, and that, he's that mediator, that by means of death, his death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first agreement, first testament, first covenant. They which are called might receive the promise of e eternal inheritance. I like that. All that could be given in the Old Testament was an inheritance that was supposed to be perpetual in their families. That was natural. But in the new covenant that this Christ Jesus was mediating for, and it could only be accomplished by his death, he wanted all of those even of then and now and present to have a promise of eternal inheritance. That's great. But the Bible says for where a testament or agreement or a covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Look at 17. For a testament is a force after men are dead. In other words, the spirit of God, 
this Holy Ghost could not be given unto men because it's a part of this new testament, this new covenant, this new arrangement. And the only time that that new arrangement is in force is when the person who described it, the person who created it, dies. And so the Holy Ghost could not be given until the testator or Jesus Christ died. Amen. He says it's in force after, after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So the New Testament, the New Covenant, this baptism of the Spirit has no effect until Jesus Christ, the testator, the mediator, if you will, dies. And so the promise of the, the eternal inheritance that he spoke of is just over in the wings waiting until the event of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Holy Ghost, that promise was not given until after Jesus was glorified. And he was glorified after he was humiliated. Glorified after he was humiliated. Amen. That's the reason why both Isaiah talked about it and even the Ethiopian eunuch wondered about it in Acts chapter number 8. Amen. Concerning this humiliation of the Lord, his glorification comes after that. After his death, burial, and resurrection will become his glorification, his ascension into heaven. Amen. His rule and his reign. And when that happened, the Holy Ghost could be poured out. That's the reason why he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them, go tarry into to Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high he tells them in Luke 24 wait for the promise of the father at Jerusalem he no longer said those words that he ascended up into heaven came the glorification which meant man the doors are open now for people to receive the baptism of his spirit and so what I'm saying today there is no need to wait any longer it's not like it can't happen now because he's already died he's already been buried and he's already resurrected and he's already ascended you can receive the Holy Ghost now you can receive the Holy Ghost today we don't have to tarry someone say amen it's wonderful 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 Holy Ghost in John 14 John 14 and verse 16, Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is speaking. It's prior to ever having left, prior to him having ascended, he's speaking. He says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Everybody say forever. forever. He may abide with you forever. Jesus, the man that was man humanity and deity who was God and man standing there as a man he knew as a man flesh and blood his days were numbered upon the earth every bit of humanities our days are numbered upon the earth he says but I'm going to go and I'm going to give you another comforter and he's going to abide with you forever because as a man I only got a prescribed number of years on this earth as a man, only got a prescribed number of years on this earth. Hallelujah. But the spirit is eternal. The spirit is eternal. Contrary to whatever people may tell you, I'm telling you what the Bible tells you this morning. Jesus was not the eternal son. You will not find the terminology eternal son of God anywhere in your Bibles whatsoever. But what Jesus housed was the eternal spirit. And whenever the son, the flesh died, the spirit was still living. And it was that same spirit that was housed in Jesus that came on the day of Pentecost and invested himself in the lives of the people that... 
Someone say amen. The the eternality of Jesus, if there was any eternality of Jesus, it was just a thought and a will that was in the mind of God from the very beginning of the world, being the lamb slain from the foundation because he already had a plan and a purpose, amen, for the man Christ Jesus. But there is no eternal son of God. You will not find it in your Bible. But there is an eternal spirit, as John says, one that abides forever, and it will not only be with you, it can be in you. Note now. John 14, verse 26, speaking about this comfort, he said that word comforter. He said he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Verse 26, but the comforter, here's the equal sign, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. So when we understood what Jesus was saying in verse 16 then, he's saying, I'll give you the Holy Ghost that may abide with you forever. The comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus is talking, Mm -hmm. he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let, let me just just for here's one of the benefits of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things. If you're having problems sometimes understanding the word of God or, or some preaching or teaching or just things that are arriving in your own life. Whenever you get the Holy Ghost, you'll have an onboard teacher that will help teach you, instruct you. And not only that, but guide you guide you into all things. So this is, this is just not, again, it's just not like some option. This is very beneficial for you. This is very beneficial for us as the church. Now look, John 15, 26. But when the comforter, which we know is what? The Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, look at this, he shall testify of me. Now, we'll talk about that a little later when we talk about speaking in tongues. He'll going to give you the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is going to testify. John 16 and 7, we're still on this comforter concept, this Holy Ghost concept. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. Jesus is talking. It's expedient for you that I go away. (laughs) For if I go not away, the comforter. Or the Holy Ghost will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Jesus says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect. But I'm going to ascend to heaven for this purpose. That not another man, Jesus, can come back. But the spirit that was invested in me can come back and be inside of you. It's expedient. It's necessary that I do this. I feel a little mm, my spirit here today. Now, listen, listen to Pastor Morgan, because and this is just kind of this is extra. Okay, this is extra. You read in Scripture in Luke chapter number one, you read some things, and I don't want anybody to be confused. The Bible says that John the Baptist, from the womb, was filled with the Spirit. It says Elizabeth upon the salutation of Mary was filled with the Spirit. It says Zacharias upon the naming of the Son was filled with the Spirit. All spoken of as being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, this is where you must take Scripture with Scripture. All right? But this being filled with the Holy Ghost, spoken of in Luke 1, cannot be in the same sense as we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 2 forward. Because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection had not happened when John was born and his mother and father had him. 
that had not happened. And John 7, 39 already told us the Holy Ghost could not be given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So if it's saying that they are filled with the Holy Ghost, it cannot be in the same sense that we talk about post death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ day. I submit to you this morning, amen, that whenever they were filled with the Holy Ghost, as it says in the New Testament Scripture, their feeling was just like those of the Old Testament. When the Spirit of the Lord moved upon them at a particular time for a particular purpose, it moved upon by the Spirit. Because the Bible says whenever John... The father, amen, Zacharias, rather the father was filled with the Holy Ghost that then he began to prophesy. And so he was moved upon by the spirit for a particular reason and a particular uh, purpose. And the word filled, even in, in the Greek, amen, they were controlled, if you will, by the spirit at that point of time. But they could not have received the Holy Ghost as described post death, burial, and resurrection because the Bible tells me it could not happen. All right. So I'm just putting that in there for any confusion. When people were filled with the Spirit, amen, post-death, burial, and resurrection, it wasn't just with them, it was in them. Someone say amen. Now look, let's, let's, let's look back at, at this. John 14, verse 17. You doing all right with me, hon? God bless your dear heart. John 14, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, all right, we learned in John 15, 16, we've already read this, that the Comforter is the Holy Ghost. It's also called the Spirit of truth. Even the spirit of truth, so if I may, even the Holy Ghost, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, he dwelleth with them by virtue of the man Christ Jesus. To wit that God was in Christ and God is a spirit. All right. He is with them by virtue of Christ Jesus. He says, and shall be in you. That's by virtue of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He said. It's with you. It's going to be in you. And so listen, I know you can. Listen, I am not going to doubt one bit. And I'm not going to refute this. You can come to church. You can be at home and you can feel the Holy Ghost. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you've never repented and never been baptized. You can feel the Holy Ghost. You can have an experience of the Holy Ghost moving upon you. But folks, that is just him being with you. He said, he said, it needs to be, though, in you. I'm going away for the purpose for it to get in you. If I wanted to be with you, Jesus just still being around with us today in human flesh. But that's not the case. He had a greater purpose, a greater plan. He wanted it to get inside of us. And in order for it to get inside of us, he had to go away. So let's not disappoint heaven today because he wants to be inside of every one of us. And it was to abide forever, the scripture said. For that matter, look at this, for that matter, consider if you will, Mary, the one who pre-death, burial, and resurrection, who said she even, something happened to Mary, the salutation, the babe leapt in her womb. Mary was waiting for the promise of the Father on the day of Pentecost. I know she had Jesus, and that's tremendous. I'm glad. But if it would not have been necessary for her to be there, if she already was granted the experience, she wouldn't have had no need of being there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. But she was there because she needed it just as much as anybody else needed it. And she couldn't until her son died, until her son was buried, until he resurrected and ascended. Now, notice the promise of the father. We see this terminology, promise of the father. Folks, I'll tell you, but I'll describe it. It's, called, it's talking about the Holy Ghost. 
In Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus is speaking, and he says to his disciples, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. In Acts 1, 4, prior to his ascension, speaking to his disciples again, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, in Acts 2, 33, after they've received the promise of the Father or the Holy Ghost, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of what? Huh? Of the Father the promise. Or the promise of the Father what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the promise of the Father. He that shed forth this, the Holy Ghost. Look at this. I like this. Because it says, he that shed forth this, this what? The promise of the Father. The Holy Ghost. Ye, which ye now see and We'll talk about that a little later. Maybe we'll talk about it right now. The New Living Translation takes that phrase and says, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Ghost to pour out on us, just as you see in here today. God's Word translation says, and as and has poured out the Holy Spirit as the Father had promised, and this is what you're seeing and hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Someone say amen. Yeah. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. <laughs> but if you receiving the Spirit is something that is evidently heard or can even be seen, then I don't have to go through life inviting Christ into my heart and then wondering days after that and doubting whether or not he's there. In the book of John, as Jesus was talking about the comforter or the spirit of truth or the Holy Ghost, when he's talking about all that stuff, in that context, he said, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. I'm here in bodily form now, but I'm returning in spirit form. I've been with you but I shall be in you. I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I am going to come myself. I'm sending you another comforter because I'm not going to be in the same form as I am now. Not as though it's something different. It's the same, just in a different form. I'm here in body now, but I'll be in spirit then. I'm coming to you. Now, you need the Holy. Someone say, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. And God promises his spirit to all who ask. Luke eleven thirteen tells us how much more, whenever he's talking about a father even gives good gifts to his children. If he asked of bread, you wouldn't give him, you know, a serpent or stones or anything that matter. And if a father of the earth will give such gifts to their children, he says, then how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, fill with the Spirit, baptized with the Holy, whatever you want to call it. Amen. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? This is not, folks, this is not like a combination lock on a vault in a bank. This is not you have to turn so many to the right and so many to the left, push, shove, lever. No, no, no. You just got to ask. Because here's the thing. He's wanting to give it to you. 
You just got to ask. And you got to believe. The Bible says, we have already looked at it, John 7, 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. You got to ask. You need to believe. Here's something that I think some people need to really understand as well concerning the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Whenever you went through your repentance and you were talking to God, maybe you even confessed to God, you need to, you need to believe two things. Number one, you need to have faith and believe that whenever you confess your sins, that your God is just and faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of them all. Do you believe that? Do you believe when you confess your sins that he forgives your sins? Huh? If you believe that, then the other thing you need to believe is that it happened and it happened for you. Because it's easy to believe that statement for everybody else but yourself sometimes. Amen. You need to believe that happened for you. And the other thing you need to believe then, whenever you come to receive the Holy Ghost, or you talk to God, throw up your hands and ask. You need to believe that when you ask, he's going to respond. I'm just, that's the brass text. You just believe whenever you ask that he is going to respond. Now, you must also obey. Acts 5.32 says, so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey. Obey him. What you're obeying is basically this, the gospel. And the Bible says, Paul said, I begotten you through the gospel. The gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it is, speaks of it being the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And obeying that and appropriating that in our lives then is through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So you just ask, you believe, and you obey the gospel. Someone say Amen. Obey the gospel. Amen. Obey Acts 2.38. Obey as Jesus told Nicodemus, being born of water and spirit. Just obey. Amen. Obey those things. Now look, Romans 8 and verse number 9. I'm doing good, man. I'll tell you what. I guess. Romans 8 and verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his there's no ownership there, there is absolutely no ownership there's absolutely no 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 it takes the complete plan of salvation for all these things to culminate and come together you, you're none he's not gonna own, you're none of his he's not claiming you let's say it like he's not claiming you if you have not the spirit of god so we ask ourselves the question we're in a quandary here how does one know they have the spirit of god I must have the spirit of God to be his. How do I know I have the spirit of God? First John 3, 23 says, and this is his commandment. First John 3, 23. This is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, rather, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath. We know he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. But how do you know you have his spirit? Again, how do you know? So I know he abides in me by the spirit which he's given to me. But how do you know he's given you the spirit? How do you know, might I say, in an instant that you have the spirit of God or that you have received the Holy Ghost? There for surely, there surely must be something more than just good moral deeds that's done in your life. 
Because in Acts 19, it records the man Cornelius, who was a very devout man. He gave alms. He gave money, the Bible says. And he even feared God. But before the story is over, he still needed the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So there must be something, Brother Fred, more than just good moral deeds that, that shows, well, they must have the Spirit of God. They've got good moral individuals. Let me tell you, good moral people still need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Good moral people still need baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in the Acts 19 situation, it was so imperative that God sent angelic visitations to both Cornelius and Peter in order to have their meeting for Peter to preach the word and for Cornelius to receive it. So if God has to send an angel in order for someone to understand that they're in need of something, even though they're a good moral person, then every single one of us. Amen. And so they need the Holy Ghost, just like the Jews received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter number two. They need the Holy But how do we know that we have the Spirit of God? Let me just share something with you really quick from an article that had been written, I think it's maybe in the past couple of years, and I may have shared this before, entitled, Why Are Pentecostals Growing in Number? This is a direct excerpt from that uh, uh, paragraph there of that article. It says, from a statistical perspective, Pentecostals tend to be less nominal than other believers. The reason often obvious, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In almost all Pentecostalism, as contrasted to other continualist streams, speaking in tongues follows the Holy Spirit's baptism. And after that experience, it's hard to say, oh, I don't take this whole thing serious or I don't even know if it's real. Because you're not just trying to have faith that it has happened. You know by virtue, by what's happened, it's happened. He said, this is the way the article said it. I'll rephrase it, but this is, you got to understand this is an outsider looking in. They said, when you believe you're speaking in other, other languages, that belief reshapes the way that you think about faith. I just want to rephrase that a little bit and take out you believe. When you're speaking in other languages, that belief then can reshape the way you think about your faith. Honey, whenever God's spirit comes to me and I start speaking in a language that I've never been taught or known, I'm not believing. I'm just not thinking, well, I'm just believing that this has happened. I know with my own ears. I know with my own ears that my voice box, my lips, my tongue, my brain has all on the human side been employed by his spirit. Someone say Hallelujah. So how is it that they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Acts 2 and 4 says on the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, that Holy Ghost, that Spirit of the Lord, they just received, gave them the utterance. It gave them the vocalization. It gave them the ability to speak in other tongues. They had not been taught that. They did not know 30 different languages. You can read in Acts chapter number 2, people from different nationalities and countries, they are hearing Galileans speaking in their native tongue. Yet those Galileans did not know the tongue of their country. And that's only because they have received the Holy Ghost. Nobody there that day was in doubt whether or not God's spirit had come up inside of him because they spoke in tongues. They did not have to wait three months from them and wonder, do I have God's spirit? Honey, I am not doubting when we gather together and I hear people start praying and start worshiping. I hear languages of another land, of another country. There's no doubt in my mind that God's spirit is inside this church. No doubt. no 
Bible says in Acts 10, scripture reference for you, it's not up there. Acts 10 and verse number 46. This is at Cornelius' house, that good moral man's house, in his household. Peter is preaching to them concerning the things of God. There were some Jews that came with Peter. Again, these Jews are of the mindset, this is only for us. This is only for us. They didn't know it was for the Gentile. Every man, woman, boy or girl, young or old, did not matter. Amen. They're sitting there. Peter is preaching. And the Bible says that those, the Gentiles, Cornelius and his household, received the Holy Ghost. They received the Holy Ghost. And verse 46 tells us why. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God they knew they had received it nobody the people didn't have to stop and say hey I just want you to know I just received the spirit of the Lord into my life I just want you to know I didn't know they didn't have to say that it was apparent to everybody that was earshot of that place because they spoke in tongues when the spirit of God that they received gave them the utterance. Yes, the disciples of John the Baptist at Ephesus in Acts 19, the Bible says, were rebaptized, having only received the baptism of John, which was, of course, unto repentance. They were baptized then in the name of Jesus Christ. And Acts 19 and verse 6 says, The Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. Someone say, Amen. You can read of the Saul's conversion in Acts 9. And it says that Saul, who we know as Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now the scripture is silent about him speaking in tongues. All right. In Acts 8, we read about the Samaritans. The Bible says they received the Holy Ghost. But again, there is silence about them speaking in tongues. But later when we read in Corinthians... Paul talks about how he speaks in tongues more than most. Somebody hearing me? And the Bible also tells us that in Acts chapter number 8 with the Samaritans receiving the Holy Ghost, that evidently something had to be signified in that instant that they had received the Holy Ghost because Simon the sorcerer who was interested in sorcery, amen, knew that the Samaritans had received the Holy Ghost and he wanted to buy this same power so whoever he laid hands on could receive the Holy Ghost. How did Simon know that they received the Holy Ghost that day? Did, it, did, did, they, did they just confess their faith? The Spirit of the Lord just came inside of me. No. There was something he saw, something that he heard that designated that they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if that troubles you that in Acts 9 and in Acts 8, it doesn't say anything about them speaking in tongues. Let me just present to you. You know, he wrote this, no doubt. I know it's for us, but he wrote it to the people that day. These are written on scrolls for people of that culture and time. They didn't have to put in there that they spoke in other tongues because it was common knowledge that when a person received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. For that matter, at the last chapter of the, the Gospel of John, he said if everything was written about Christ and all of the stories concerning Christ, all of the world would not even be able to contain the volumes of the books in which it was written honey if they took down every episode and every detail of everybody that ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost your Bible wouldn't be able to be carried you just need to understand the scripture said when it happens there's an utterance we got three primary examples in Acts 2 we've seen it right we've seen it in Acts 2 we've seen it in Acts chapter number 19 right huh we've seen it in the scripture here over and over again we've seen it in Acts 10 so it gave us a detailed enough account. 
Amen. That we know whenever it's not spoken that it happened. It's implicit. It's understood. Now, Acts 19, this, we do, we do all right. I'm not even been here 45 minutes yet. Acts 19, here's, here's the, the winds of false doctrine that sometimes assail people that don't find their foundation in the word of God. Acts 19, the episode of Acts 19 alone of the giving of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is evident because here's what some people say concerning Acts 2. In Acts 2, they received the Spirit of God and they spoke in tongues because that's the first time that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Jews. And so anytime the Holy Ghost was first poured out upon a different sect of people or a different group of people, it was always accompanied with tongues, but then not after that. So since that was the first time that was poured out on the Jews in Acts 2, it was accompanied by speaking in tongues. And so then that's the reason why they say then in Acts chapter number 10, that's the first time it was poured out on the Gentiles. And so that's the reason why they spoke in tongues. But something goes topsy-turvy when I come to Acts 19. Because in Acts 19, these are Jews. These are Jews. And so if tongues only came when it first landed on the Chinese or first on the Japanese and it only happens the first time, then why in Acts 19? These now denote and said, well, maybe they already had the Holy Ghost. No, they said, the Bible says, they said, we haven't even heard there was any Holy Ghost. Why is it in Acts 19, these Jews that already been Jews in Acts chapter number 2, why is it these Jews, whenever they received the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues? Because it's not just the initial time it hits a people, group, or a race, or a nationality. It's for all people of every race and every kind. Every time someone is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is repeatable and it is biblical. Someone say Amen. Pastor David Bernard in his book, The New Birth, says this. He said, tongues in and of themselves do not save. Nevertheless, the relationship between the spirit baptism or the Holy Ghost and tongues is similar to that of faith and works. He says, we're not saved by faith. We are, rather, we are saved by faith, but not works. Yet works always accompany genuine faith. Because faith without works, James says, is dead. He says, likewise, tongues cannot save us. Yet the Holy Ghost produces tongues and it accompanies it as an initial sign. Mm -hmm. Whenever you come, you're asking for the Spirit of God. You're not looking or searching for tongues. Tongues are a byproduct of the Holy Ghost. Old Elder John Lee James used to say this. That whenever you go to buy a shoe, if it's not a loafer, the tongue comes with it. But if you're a shoe without tongues, you're going to be a loafer when Christ comes. Somebody hear me today? When you receive God's spirit, you're not searching for speaking in tongues. You just receive the spirit of God and let the spirit do what the spirit does. He'll speak through you. Amen. The Spirit gives the utterance. Jesus said in John that the Spirit of truth, which is the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth would testify. 
The literal meaning of that word testify in the Greek is it would give evidence. He said the spirit of truth, the comfort of the Holy Ghost will give evidence. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, the wind bloweth where it listeth or it desires. And thou hearest the sound thereof. He said, so is everyone. Everybody say everyone. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. There's a sound. That comes with people that are born of the Spirit. Furthermore, Paul in writing to the church at Rome said in Romans 8, chapter number 16, Paul writing to the church at Rome, already Spirit-filled believers, the church at Rome and Rome, amen, but he's just telling them, he says, for the Spirit, capital S, denoting Spirit of God, denoting Holy Ghost, itself beareth witness. Now this is what that means in the original language. It testifieth jointly and corroborates by evidence with our spirit, little human spirit, his spirit correlates with our human spirit that we are the children of God. His his spirit correlates with our spirit that we are the children of God. We know, folks, that he abides in us and that we are the children of God, that we've been adopted by one spirit, And the spirit of adoption has come upon us. The Bible says whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And that it dwells in us. We know it dwells in us because that spirit testifies. That spirit gives evidence. That spirit gives utterance by working in conjunction with our human spirit. I've already told you. How does that happen? That spirit correlates with our human spirit because it has control then of our brains. That's where speech is first ever processed right here in the brain. It has control of our brains, our mouth, our tongue, our voice box, our lips. Amen. And we speak in other tongues as that spirit amen gives the utterance. Somebody say amen. And so we know according to scripture that we have been sealed with that Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it a promise. It says that it is the earnest of our inheritance. Mm-hmm. It's the earnest of our Whoever wants to go to heaven someday. Amen. God's Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. You ever paid earnest money at a loan or for a home? What is it? A little bit of money that guarantees final payment's going to come. Hallelujah. There's an inheritance that I'm looking toward called heaven. But while I'm living in this earthly body, God has given me an earnest. He's given me a small portion that guarantees payment in the future is going to be complete. And so while I have an earnest of his spirit called the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, someday when rapture takes place, he's going to make good on his earnest money. He's going to make Someone shout hallelujah. We just have a little piece of heaven here on earth. It's unspeakable. It's indescribable. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Holy Ghost. Yes. You can stand with me today. The Bible tells me it gives us power to witness. About how Christ has saved us from our sins. It gives us power to overcome sin. Romans says by mortifying the deeds of our body. And it, that spirit, supplies resurrection power. Because that spirit you receive is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. 
And if it raised him from the dead, that same spirit will raise you up for the rapture of the church. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking to you about a second or third blessing. I'm talking to you about the whole enchilada here today. The death, burial, and the resurrection. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. And the unfilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We're not talking about our part or portion. And we have along the way. But it takes all three of them. As we read in 1 John last week. It takes the th- Or two weeks ago. It takes the three of them. Of the water and the blood. Huh? And the spirit. Witnessing the green and one here in the earth. Your salvation. My salvation. Nobody else. Nobody else enters in any other way. There is one door. Christ said that he was the door. If any man try to come up any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. There is no other way. There is no other way. This is not Paul McGee's way. This is not the first apostolic church's way. This is the Bible way. This is the way that Jesus purported himself with his own lips and his own mouth and that he taught his disciples to go and carry it on. This is not Bishop's way. This is not Brother Corbett's way that first established the church. This is the Bible way. This is Jesus' way. There's some here today and he needs to receive that power to witness about how God has saved them from sin. There's some here today that need to receive that power that will aid and guide and help them to overcome the deeds of their body, their flesh. And every single one of us, I'm telling you right now, need the power, the resurrection power that's going to cause that old mortal body to rise out of the ground in a different form than it was placed in the ground. On rapture day. You say, well, Brother McGee, everybody's going to resurrect because that's true. Everybody. Sin and sane alike at some time will resurrect. But you'll only resurrect on rapture day. Is if you have his spirit. You'll only resurrect whenever he calls the church home. If you have his spirit. So I'm not going to, well, everybody's going to resurrect. That's right. But I want to resurrect to go with the church. Not to go to judgment. Listen to me. I'm not ignorant. I mean, I'm not aware. Just fill you in on something. I'm the pastor of this church. And I know that some people's repented. And I know some people's been baptized. But there's some of you that's not received the Holy Ghost, although you've done those two things. It's not the will of God for you just to stay in a mode of repentance and baptism and never follow through with receiving the Holy Ghost. You need it. You need it. And again, it, it, there's not no prescription. Well, if you walk down the center aisle, it'll happen. Or if you walk three times around the church, then come to the front, it's guaranteed. No. You ask. We went through the scripture. You believe. And you obey. We could probably talk about on another time, well, what is it sometimes that people come 
up to the front and then you know it don't happen. Well, we could probably go back to some of the belief things. We could go back maybe to some unconfessed sin in our life. We could go back to there's sundry things, but maybe they haven't been totally obedient to the plan. All right? But, but when you come forward, don't come up here doubting, well, I'm probably not going to get it. You come up here doubting, you're probably not going to get it. Man, you already just put yourself in a corner. It's probably not going to happen, glory. Believe. Have faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Just believe. You're going to receive it. Now, here's the thing, folks. He's going to use your mouth and your tongue, but his spirit's got to corroborate or agree with your human spirit. You can't speak in tongues and in English at the same time. You can't speak in tongues and in English at the same time. That's not how they qualify being bilingual. You can't do both of that at the exact same time. He's going to use your mouth. A lot of times it helps if you open it. He's got what? Those things are formulated. Thoughts, words, phrases formulated. What? In our brains? Here's what I come to recognize. Pray with people in the Holy Ghost. A lot of times they'll start hearing these things in what you call their mind or their brain that starts formulating up there. Before I'm getting ready to say the word, Brother James, it's already occurred right here. My very next word. If I could tell you what I thought before I could tell you what I thought. You understand what I'm saying? It was formulated right here. A lot of times they start hearing this stuff and they're thinking, <laughs> what is going on? Trust Pastor today. If you will speak out your mouth what God is formulating in your brain. Even though it's not English, and it sounds maybe you thinking this is crazy. If you speak out your mouth what God is formulating in your brain, when it comes out your mouth, don't doubt. It'll be right. It'll be the Spirit of God speaking through you, using your brain, your voice box, your lips, your tongue, your mouth. It can happen for anybody who'd like for it to happen this morning. I'm not doing a may. It could happen for anybody wanting to happen today. We're going to open this altar. If you've never repented, it'd be a good morning to repent. If you've never been baptized, we still got water in the pool. Although it'd be a little chilly, we baptize you. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, this morning's your morning. For that matter, anytime we have church, we don't have to have a special teaching or preaching on the Holy Ghost for you to receive the Holy Ghost. Whosoever will, whosoever thirst, let him come. It's for you. Ma'am, sir. Oh, but I'm too old. You're not too old. Come on, Joe. It's for you. Oh, I'm too young. You're not too young. Just how old were you, Sister Shay, when you received the Holy Ghost? How old? Five? Sister Shay is five years old. God spoke through her in tongues. You're not too young. So if it can go from there all the way, we've seen 70-year-old men receive the Holy Ghost. Huh? You're not too old. You're not too young. It's for you. It's not like you reach a certain age and God cuts it off because it's not part of your retirement plan. No, it needs to be a part of your retirement plan. It's for you. These altars are open this morning. There's people up here that need the Holy Ghost or some things reaffirmed to them. Listen, come without doubt. Come without doubt. Don't be doubting what God can do or going to do. No, no, no. You just believe. You ask and you'll be. Bay. Hallelujah. Come on, church family. Come on, church family. People up here designed to be born again. Water and spirit. It's all a part of the plan of salvation. 
It's all a part of the plan of salvation. If you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. How do I know? We, I know He abides with us because of the Spirit that He gave us. I know He gave me His Spirit because of the utterance that happens when I receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. You don't have to be afraid. Don't give up. I would encourage you, if you've ever prayed for the Holy Ghost, I encourage you this morning to pray again. Seek God again. Throw up your hands again. Ask of Him again. Hallelujah. Obey Him again. Hallelujah. Do it every time. Say, well, I, I think people's going to think bad of me because I come up every time for the Holy Ghost. Listen, I don't care if you come up every service for an entire year. Keep coming. It's real. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.